Hi, welcome to Life Struggles. On this show, we interview or just chat with people who have mental and physical health issues, addictions, relationship problems, and anything else that life may bring you as a struggle. We give hope and our own advice to others from our own achievements. Our goal is for you not to feel alone in your struggle. Our guests range from actors, authors, professionals, and ordinary people like me. At the end of this podcast, if you would please hit our bell, that little bell up there, so that you will be notified of any new episodes that drop. And also, if you would give us a rating, we would deeply appreciate it. And now, please help me in welcoming our next guest. Hi, this is Christy from Life Struggles, and today I'm so excited to speak to Skylar. Hi, Skylar. Hey, Christy. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. This is just um, amazing to me that I finally got a hold of you and that we can do this. You have so, I think, so much that you can share and help people with. So I'm just going to like kind of let you go and tell me kind of your background and we'll just go from there. We'll, we'll just chat. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you know, obviously my mom is Natalie Riddell. Um, I think that's where probably this relationship originally came from. Um, my mom's had a podcast for a number of years and um, was pretty prevalent on Instagram in the past. Um, but as far as my background, um, I was born in Tallahassee. Uh, both my parents went to Florida State. Um, and shortly after that, they split. So I was raised by my single mother, um, had a very close relationship with her parents, who are my grandparents. Um, grew up in Central Florida. Bounced around a little bit growing up um just moved I lived a little bit in uh, Richmond Virginia but most of my life was in Florida um and I ended up going to Florida State myself which I'm very proud of um but as far as you know challenges and stuff that I've run into I think the the first real big one I mean obviously growing up with your parents divorced in a single parent home is is something in its own but I don't know any different you know so um, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because mm -hmm. um, my daughter's situation was a little bit different. Her, sure. her dad uh, passed away, but still she was, well, but not when we got divorced. I mean, he passed away afterwards. So she went through a little bit of the divorce and then he yeah. passed away, but she still was in a single home. And I remember when she got into college and she was in, I like English 111 or something. And mm -hmm. it was all like papers you had to write. And her subject was um, children from divorced homes. Mm -hmm. And what she came up, she wouldn't let me read it until it was graded. I, mm -hmm. I so much wanted to read it. But um what she said positive stuff out of it and her positive thing out of it was from her point of view, she was seeing like, she knew only one set of rules because she lived with me and there was nobody else to argue them with. There was nobody else to go say, Hey, mom said I couldn't do this. Can I do this? 
Um, yeah. She just knew what they always were, and there was there wasn't any other place to go for it. Um, she would see her friends' parents like first of all, she'd see her friends like go back and forth to the parents, and actually the parents would end up arguing over it. And she said it was really uncomfortable, and she didn't have that. So she put a positive note on it's not necessarily bad because you only have one parent that's raising you. Right. What do you, what do you think about that? I tend to agree in my experience. Um, it wasn't a negative thing. I, mm -hmm. it was just what I always knew. And in fact, mm -hmm. when my mom got remarried, I think I was probably 10 or so. Um, I, it was very strange to me. Like it was much more natural at that point for me to be in a single parent home because that's just how I'd grown up. Um, you know, I'm just, not sure. Go ahead. Just because I know a little bit about that relationship, sure, um, sure. Do you mind if I do you mind if I ask? Um, it, it didn't seem like you you were a big part of his life. Mm -hmm. You mean John in particular? Yeah, John. Yeah. Um, when I so obviously they got remarried when I was around ten or eleven. So mm -hmm. from that time until pretty much till I graduated high school, you know, we were in the same house. Um, so obviously I, I built a relationship with him. You know, we spent a lot of time together, but it wasn't. You did. Okay. I, I wouldn't say he was like a father figure in my life. Like it was more just a, you know, he was a presence. He was there um, for my mom. So. Okay. So there wasn't any negativity or positivity, either one with it. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. I, I'd say kind of just indifferent about the relationship. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was more to me, it was always, um, it felt strange, you know, with somebody else coming into the house, but I, I also, yeah, but I also wanted to, you know, if that was what made my mom happy, then it was cool with me. You know, I'd, I'd get along with them kind of deal. So. Mm -hmm. You're a good kid and you're not a <laughs> kid anymore, but. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so then go on from there. So then you were like ten. Yeah, so um, we we moved when I was probably twelve years old. Um, John got a new job, and so we moved from Central Florida to Virginia. Um, for that was from sixth grade to eleventh. So I lived there about five years. And was that an adjustment? Was that very hard? Big time. That was a big adjustment. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you leave the kids that you grew up with and all my family still, you know, stayed in Central Florida. So it was definitely different, especially going into middle school. You know, I was starting sixth grade. Um, That's what I was going to so. say. Middle school and junior high, I feel like is a really, really age where kids are trying to kind of find themselves they're going through yeah. the change of hormones all that kind of stuff yeah definitely formative years for sure mm -hmm. and um but i ended up you know making some of my closest like lifelong friends in richmond like my best friends to this day the majority of them are still from from virginia that i keep in touch really? with all the time oh yeah um did they live so, right around you or was it just from school um, mostly like school relationships, yeah, people I, I went to middle school and high school with, um, and we all ended up, you know, moving, going to college and stuff, but I keep in touch with those guys. So, um, that's nice. 
yeah, I'm trying to get one or two of them down here to Florida, but we'll see if that's possible. But um, why? Well, who would not want to live in Florida? I don't hey, get that. I would say the same thing. I mean, I love I, it here. It's, you know, I I took a self love trip, um, mm-hmm. right after. So we had the closing. I th- mm-hmm. I think I think you guys didn't have it as long as we did. We closed in March of 2021 and was reopened in March of 2022. Oh wow. Our businesses. Yeah. Um so that was a whole year. Yeah, that's hard. And uh yeah. And I was surprised that I even made it, but I did an online store and I actually went out and took things to people and let them try them on and stayed outside while they did it, you know? And yeah. I think I'm the only boutique in the area that even made it. Well, in I fact, mean, I'm just going to share this with you because I'm excited today. Um, I got a plaque delivered to me and I was voted uh, the number one women's boutique in the central Illinois area for 2022. There you go. Congrats. Didn't even know I was getting it. (laughs) Well, that's a nice surprise. It was. So you're the first one that heard it. Anyway, so I, you know, I had that fight through it too. Mm. Um, But why were we talking about that? It was, oh, so anyway, um, I also went through some cancer and I was I was going through some radiation and I got COVID because my son was playing basketball. Yeah. Basketball team got it. And right. You no, know, the weekend he came home. So I ended up with it. So they had to stop my radiation because I was already bringing my immune okay. system down. Um, and I had it really bad. So did he, though. Um, yeah. But long story short. When um, I came back out of that is when I decided to start podcasting Mm. because we were still closed down, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I can't just sit around the house. Mm -hmm. So I got to do something that I can help. And, and, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people like FaceTime, tried to do stuff, you know, to be socially active with people without going out. Right. Um, and I'm a real social person, so that was pretty hard. But as long as I had the FaceTime and um, I actually started doing some life coaching on Zoom. Yeah. So that worked. You know, I, I tried to make everything positive out of it. And, you know, my son did the same thing. You know, they, they had to end up they had the dorm rooms for the basketball right. boys, but they didn't have classes. Right. They had to take the classes online. Yeah. So they were kind of shut in at the dorms, except for the few games, that first part that they got, it was very short, you know, yeah. broken up. but anyway, um, so when I, I, when I got done with that and I finished my radiation and was going to reopen here, it, it was like, nobody was coming out still. Right. And so I said, you know, I am not going to be open for people not to come. So I took a six week self-love trip mm. and I drove instead of flying so because otherwise renting to renting a car for six weeks would be crazy right um so I drove it and and I did not plan it like I didn't 
I knew I was going to go south. In right. fact, I was going to I was going to go to your grandma's funeral. Mm. And I I was I was no, I got late. The I got there the day after. Oh yeah. I was so disappointed. But um, yeah, so I was doing all this by myself. I took kayak on top of my car. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I, and I did this. I just stopped when I wanted to. Um, I had a lot of family in, in Florida that kept saying, you know, you can come stay with us. And I'm like, I'm going to stay in some tree houses in, in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, I said, I want to try that. And I want to try some tiny houses, mm-hmm. you know, but I did stop in and see family too. But I said, I just don't want to make particular dates. I just want to drive, see things, stop when I want to with mm-hmm. not having to answer to anybody. Yeah. I would take my kayak. I, I looked up all these springs and creeks and stuff that I could go kayaking in the South. And I would stop and do those. And it was yeah, so awesome. good for me. It was so good for the soul. I recommend it to everybody. Yeah. If you've yeah, gone actually, through something really bad, do some mm-hmm. self-love. My mom's been talking about doing something like that. Um, just like a take a month off and just kind of do like a road trip around the country. Like, mm-hmm. Um, we even went as far, this was probably a year ago now, but we even went as far as like looking at routes and stuff and, and mm-hmm. starting to plan logistics. And then obviously the stuff happened with my grandmother. So that, that kind of complicated everything, but, um, that's something that, that we're planning to do in the future for sure. Well, it's a really good thing. Um, like I said, I did it by myself. My, my son was still in school, so he couldn't go. Mm-hmm. He still jealous yeah. to this day. And I'm like, you know what, when you get done with your master's, you know, Take take one with your friends, or I'll do it again. I don't care. Right, absolutely. I, you know, it's it, it was it was fantastic. Um, I also wanted you to know that I lost my brother from the same brain cancer that your grandma had. Mm. Um, yeah. Only he had two types mm. of fast growing incurable. Right. Um, so he went uh, faster than your grandma did. Mm. And she was probably it was a quick quick process too. Her probably it seemed like that to you guys, but when when I was sitting back, I was like, oh gosh, because my brother lived three weeks after he was diagnosed. Mm. I mean, it just grew that quick, and he had stroke after stroke, and he couldn't talk anymore. And Mm. you know, and he had you know really good care like your grandma did, but Mm -hmm. it was just the thing is, he didn't have any symptoms before. I mean, just all of a sudden, this he was he was the um, athletic director at a college, mm-hmm. and uh, he ne- he was never ever sick. He took really good care of himself and everything. And this one day, he called me at work and he said, "Is there any way you could come get me?" And I'm like, "What's wrong with your wife?" Not that I cared. It was just that mm-hmm. was weird for him to call me when he, he was married and his wife could have done it. But she was a cheerleading coach for the high school she taught at, and they were actually in Florida doing a competition and so he's like well because she's out of town and I said okay but what do you need a ride for and he said he said I've had this headache all day and he said I've never I never have headaches and he said so I finally somebody gave me some Excedrin which he doesn't like to take any kind of medications and he said I took some Excedrin and that didn't touch it and it just kept getting worse and he said now I have blurred vision so I said, I'll be right there to pick you up. And within, I mean, they, they did an MRI right away and within minutes came in and said, 
if if you live a month, we would be surprised because it was that mm-hmm. far gone. And I'm like, how do you get something and not feel anything that quickly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But apparently that was the way that God wanted it. So, mm. And I, I honestly, as bad as he was at the end, I, I actually was saying, God, please today, make it today. Yeah, I, I would say that, that was a shared, a shared sentiment in our experience, too. Yeah, is that how you felt at the end? A hundred percent. And I wasn't there the final days. Um, mm-hmm. I had just graduated from college, um, finished at FSU in, at the end of the summer in 21. So that was about a year ago, right. a little bit over a year. And around that time, she had just gotten her diagnosis. Um, maybe a little bit before I graduated. And so I came home and basically started searching for jobs virtually. And in the same, you know, in that time I was helping take care of her, take her to her treatments and stuff and get blood work done and all that. And, um, yeah, it, it definitely was longer than, than three weeks in her case. Um, but in the, it felt fast. Like it felt like she was declining every single day, you know, I get that. Um, Mm-hmm. And by, you know, I was there for probably two months um, helping out. And then I got a job offer um, at a company that I thought would be a really good fit. So I Didn't took the job. Didn't you change, though, since then? What's that? Didn't you change jobs since then, though? Um, no, I'm in the same job. I actually just got promoted. So I you moved over here. You got promoted, so you got moved yeah. to a different area. Yep. Okay. So... That was yeah, even a bad weekend. Yeah. I was like, seriously? <laughs> that's been, that was its whole own thing. That was a ridiculous move, but um, it's all right. I'm settled now, so. Um, I know, I'm that. just saying there's been so many oh, yeah. things. But it's like, is mm-hmm. this ever going to stop for them? Yeah. And and yeah. you guys both have done wonderful, amazing mm-hmm. through it. So, okay, well, why don't we go back to, so your very first life struggle was mm-hmm. divorce. And then yep. how long was it before you developed a better relationship with your biological father then? So growing up, my parents had kind of the standard divorce agreement as far as custody. So my mom had majority custody. My dad had me on um Wednesday nights and every other weekend every other weekend Uh, the standard yep the standard um but I still didn't feel that we had like a strong relationship um for a number of reasons but I I feel like it started to develop more once I got to like high school age um Mm. didn't he remarry and you had some half siblings then yeah, he did. Um, he remarried when I was in high school, so probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago now, and he's got um, three daughters, so those are my, my half-siblings. Do you have, are you starting to have any kind of relationship with them, or is there too much age difference? Um, we have some level of relationship, and I'm working on trying to kind of build that. It's It's a challenge because... You know, I, I have to have things be healthy with my dad to be able to, you know, really build on that. Um, so so that's, why don't that's we talk important. about dad a little bit? 
Yeah, we sure. don't, we're going to use a name, so mm -hmm. we we don't use a name. So, and I doubt that very much if he will listen to this. So, yeah, either way, I'm okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, like I said, he went to he went to Florida State too. My parents got divorced when I was around, I think, two years old. Um, wasn't super involved when I was growing up, um, which you know it was tough. Um, I would have times where like. You know, maybe he wouldn't show up and pick me up from school or, um, you know, just being discouraged by, like, not seeing him at football games, basketball games, whatever it was, you know. Um, so it was definitely a challenge, but I, it was never something that I felt like I needed, like I needed to have my dad around. I was pretty, you know, um, content with, with how I lived. With mom and grandma and grandpa? <laughs> yep. Because weren't they always there for everything? Oh, Absolutely. They were above and beyond. I can't say enough. So there's um, a lot of of people that I've talked to that going through something like that um, end up drinking or doing drugs, and mm. they call that fear of abandonment. Mm. But that doesn't sound like you had that. No, I, I think my experience was a little bit unique because mm. of... Um, my mom's history with alcohol and um, she's been sober now for um, going on almost 15 years. Yeah. Um, very, very oh. proud of her, of course, for that. Oh, especially she's had so many times that she could have relapsed. Yeah. It's, it's definitely been a challenge, particularly the last, um, last two years has been really. That's what I mean. Like the last two years yeah. I was worried, but thankfully even though I, I didn't hear from her sometimes, I could go in Caring Bridge mm -hmm. and see what was going on, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, like, knew like that. But um, I, I, I think your grandma's faith helped a lot with that. Mm. Yeah. You know, she she's just an amazing woman. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. And that that had to help but um anyway we'll go back to still so do you feel like you you got any genes of addiction or do you think your mom's was not any genes that it was just from drinking starting drinking in college and probably because there's a difference you do know that you do mm -hmm. know that right yeah yeah and you can have the genes. my mom does she does have some clinical of um how can I put it like a she's more at odds for addiction I would say than, than okay. the person. Um, and but does she actually have addiction in her family yes okay so yeah, then she do, would have the gene which would mean you would have some yeah. some of that gene too which addiction could be anything I mean I have sugar yeah. We, we laugh right. about that, but it's really not funny because I could become diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, I, I found myself several times, like in the middle of the night, like I need sugar. I was, I need mm -hmm. sugar, you know, chocolate, give me chocolate. And there's not any yeah. in the house because I would eat it all the time. And I actually found myself one night at three in the morning, I was going to go out and get some chocolate. Now, mm -hmm. thankfully I have a personality that went, what are you doing? 
Yeah. Like, seriously, you're going to let that take over? And so I drove right back in my driveway and parked the car right. and said, you are not winning this one to the sugar. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard. It's yeah, hard. it is. And that, I mean, her relationship with addiction is a big part of why I stayed away from that kind of stuff, especially at a young age. Um, you know, I was even at, I don't know, 15, 16, you know, uh, I had a lot of my friends at that time were drinking, using like drugs recreationally. Like it was, it was actually a big problem um, in the high school that I went to in Virginia, um, particularly uh, pills were very, very common. Um, which is scary which kind? to think that. The oxycodone? Um, no, it was Xanax. Xanax. Oh my gosh. Have you have you heard now how much they talk about Xanax? I mean, it's definitely a, a topic of discussion for sure. It's a big one right now because, of course, here we go back to the pandemic. But it's the problem is that they're mixing the Xanax with mm-hmm. the... yeah. And that's the problem. So there's a big overdose thing going on there. So anyway, go ahead. The big, the big issue was, you know, kids would start taking Xanax at 15, 16 in school. And then um, kids in school were selling them. (laughs) But like, where would they get them? Um, I actually have no idea. Because that's a prescription. Yeah. I don't know. Somehow. I'm not sure how they acquired them, but. Um, okay kids would take well, them i wasn't and, trying to get you to rad i was just no curious. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know the answer um yeah otherwise i would say but yeah they were probably you know, stealing them from their parents or buying them yeah. off the street somewhere some whatever yeah who knows but um the natural progression you know once you develop a tolerance for xanax the natural progression is not to like marijuana the natural progression is to more hard drugs you know like stuff that goes past what Xanax is capable of, like you mentioned, like oxys, or even like kids would at 18 and 19 years old, were like doing heroin. And that's the biggest one right now. Yeah. Xanax and it, it's incredibly mixing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know several, several um, kids at that time, a few have passed away and more have been in rehab and like are clean. So it's been a whole, it was a big deal at the high school. Like it was a, a huge issue. Um, and but and you knowing about addictions, so mm-hmm. did your mom talk to you about it, or did did you just go, okay, look, <clears throat> you knew a lot for a young boy, you yeah. went through a lot. It was kind of um, we talked about it at times, um, especially obviously more afterwards. She was sober as I grew up, and um, but it was more of an initiative that I just kind of took on myself because I knew how badly it would you know hurt her emotionally just seeing me like doing something like that uh, whether it was drinking or drugs or whatever um i knew that would that would really cause her a lot of pain emotionally so i i did everything i could to avoid it um and we never had any issues so i'm pretty proud of that i i admire you for that um so we have a lot of uh the addiction gene um both sides, my mom and my dad's. And my mom had 18 brothers and sisters. I have a lot of cousins and I can tell you about half of them, you know, have had their issues. 
all of yeah. them have all, all of them have conquered them but some pretty bad stuff at times you know um with both my kids i was so so i've got a personality that i don't want anything to be able to control me anything so even when i was old enough to drink and i i did go out you know i was in college and i did go out to the bars and i did drink one night one night and these guys brought over uh, some shots of tequila mm-hmm. and they said you know now you have to do it right you can't just put the lemon on your uh your wrist and salt it mm-hmm. you know and drink it there's a certain thing you have to do afterwards and i'm like what and they said you ha- you have to make this sound once you down it so they like showed us and I'm sure they were drunk but um they did that and so I'm like I can do that and I I did like two of them and I immediately after the second one could feel myself becoming uninhibited Mm. and starting to not be the person that I was and I'm like "Uh uh-uh immediately like nope done don't like it. Don't like that feeling of something else going to control me. So I was lucky to have that because that stopped me from everything, everything. Um, So that's something that I started talking to my kids about at a young age. Um, That doesn't mean that they're not going to though. Right. You can put the fear of God in somebody and that doesn't mean that they're going to take that. So um, my daughter did have problems in college. um, And that was very hard for me because I had to make sure that I wasn't the enabler. And wow, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, My son has not. And, you know, but thankfully, so I got remarried when she was 25. um, And then had my son. So they're that many years apart. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, she feels like she could have had him. You know what I'm saying? Um, she chose not to have children, but she absolutely adores him. They have the best relationship. And if I'm not around, she she talks to him about what she did and how I handled it and how she doesn't like she hopes that he'll listen to her you know I've been through it you're you're, you know our mom didn't do it she just watched it happen all around her right um my dad uh, my sister to this day she's dying like right now and it's from liver failure from being an alcoholic um so a lot in my family um that doesn't give me the experience of having it myself you know and going through it just watching it and so my daughter taught it to him on her end and what she went through and I think that's helped him as much as me on the other side saying so okay so I want to know how if you feel like it's a burden that I mean, everybody knows that your mom stays sober for you. Mm. Um, that, does, I don't. Does, I don't feel it's a it's a burden at all. I never good. Did. 
Good. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure she's, I think she's talked about this on social media too, but I always was very like, I wanted to encourage her to, oh, yeah. to be, you know, proactive and talk about addiction and talk about her experiences because, you know, I've seen it. I've seen what it looks like. She knows what it is. You know, it's sharing your experience can definitely be, I've seen it, you know, it helps people. She's told me stories of people that DM her and she keeps a, you know, relationship with, and, um, you know, they're telling her like your content and, you know, the things that you say, the stories that you share are a big reason why, like I've helped, helped other people. Yeah. yeah, 100%. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. Good. I, I was hoping because the, the relationship that you guys have, um, and how much she depends on your love. Mm-hmm. Some kids could take that, you know, the opposite, like that's too much. And I'm so proud that you don't take it that way. And I just, I just feel like God's blessed both of you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel blessed too. You know, I yeah. have the same, same relationship with my kids and, and I get that support and I give them that support. Um, I wish all families could do that. Unfortunately, yeah. that's kind of not even the norm anymore. Mm-hmm. If there is such a thing. Right. It's, okay. it's kind of funny, actually. I, I have one more thing I want to say on that, if you don't mind. No. Um, she's, you know, my mom is very like high energy. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like <clears throat> our relationship is in some ways unique. Like we're obviously we've been close for a long time, but um she's very like always on an emotional high kind of and I'm I'm the complete opposite like I feel like I'm always like very grounded and so we kind of like meet in the middle if that makes sense yeah of course but it's it's good for me too you know because sometimes I just tend to be probably too relaxed you know and um so I think that helps both of us yeah well that's neat so what in other words you balance each other out yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. So, um, do you mind if we go back to um, you losing your friend? Yeah, and because I know that that has come up in your life mm-hmm. at different times. Yep. So, Are you okay with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've talked about it many times. I have no issue with that. Okay. Going back and reciting it. So. I won't sometimes those can trigger things so you know yeah yeah no I I understand okay but I'm I'm comfortable with it um okay and I won't tell every detail of the story because we'll be here all day but um but I'll try to give kind of a quick summary so um I was 16 going into my junior year of high school um in Richmond Virginia and my best friend at the time we've become close, you know, since I moved there in sixth grade, he was one of my first friends. And I invited him to go on a family vacation um, to the beach with my family here on the East Coast. And I mean, to sum it up, really what happened is he drowned. And I don't know exactly why it happened. I don't know if it was just the freak accident or, you know, if it was something that was a medical issue we really I don't know the source of it but so they um, like didn't do an autopsy no his his mother chose not to um, okay yeah so 
she didn't want to know. Um, but I was there to I guess that. at that point it wouldn't really matter. Nope, she didn't want to know, um, which I'm totally fine with. Obviously, that's her choice over anybody else. So, um, And it's probably better that I don't know either. So anyway, it was But it was that tough. had to take a very big toll on you. Yeah. Um, even to this day, like the images are very like graphic in my mind, you know. Um, it definitely was not a fun experience, you could say. Um, but did that, you got um, did that change the relationship then that you and your mom had with his parents? Yes, it, it definitely did. Um, I, I think we were already kind of close with his family. Um, my mom and his mom became very close after the incident, you know, because. Because it could have went the opposite. Yeah, it could have. It definitely could have. But his family is extremely, they were extremely gracious. I still keep up with them to this day. That's um, that's fantastic. Yeah, they have, actually, they have a memorial golf tournament every year in his name. And so I try to play in that whenever I'm back in town. Do you? Um, yeah, I've played Did in you say golf? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you <laughs> pretend? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not much of a player, but I try. Um, That's all that matters. Yeah, but it was we definitely um, grew tighter with his family, um, and yeah, it, it was a big challenge. And I, it definitely has come back to to kind of change my perspective in some some different ways later in life because I think I didn't quite deal with it at the time, maybe how I should have. Um, right. It was difficult, you know, because it was right at the end of summer. Um, I was going back to school in literally like a few weeks. Um, okay. And, you know, he got airlifted to a hospital. He's getting treatment and they're telling us, you know, he's looking better. Like there's a chance that pretty decent chance that he could survive. Did he ever, at that time, did, did he ever become conscious? Yes. Um, so... The most that he did after the incident was there was a time when his parents were in the room speaking to him and he gave them a thumbs up. So he never spoke, but he he understood. He was awake and he was conscious of what was going on. He could hear them talking and respond. Um, And he was honestly, it was pretty, the outlook was pretty good um, at one point. And I had school starting in a week. You know, we had stayed we stayed a night in the hospital we had gotten a hotel room and tried to stay as long as we could but I had to go back to school Um, and the outlook was positive so that's what we did Um, and then shortly after he got pneumonia um, while in the hospital that was that really changed the trajectory of things Um, so after that it didn't take take long you know for him to unfortunately pass but um yeah so that was really tough I mean we were supposed to to have classes together in school we were we played football together um and he was my best friend so it was really really hard to to have to personally deliver that news to some of his friends some of our mutual friends and and go to school every day and see you know the seat where he was supposed to sit in my class and stuff like that it was it was definitely hard 
that that was very hard. You know, another coincidence, my son's best friend is Tyler. Mm, is he really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're roommates. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just crazy how many things there is in common with the mm-hmm. four of us. Yeah. I told family we're going to, we're going to have to meet up all four of us because it's, it's just, I know you two could sit down and talk forever. Oh, I'm I, sure. I, I know. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> just, yeah. and she and I could go on forever and I just think it'd be fun. Yeah. But anyway, um, so that was a really tough time. You made it through mm-hmm. high school though. Yes, I did. And then what was the next thing that so, you struggled with? I thought that I was, you know, fine after that. Um, I kind of just put my head down and focused on football and school and, and being with my family. And I tried to just kind of put it out of my mind, you know. And you did play some basketball, right? He was um he was football. He wasn't a big athlete. It was it was mostly football. No, um, I mean you. Didn't you play I know oh, that he, you played football, but didn't you play some basketball too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was Yeah, because you got basketball. your height. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I played um almost my whole life I've been playing basketball too. So um those are my two in high school for sure. Do you miss it? Yes, sometimes I do. I'm going to tell you something. Just yesterday, my son called me, well, no, no, the day before. He called me and he's like, Ma. He calls me Ma. I don't, I don't know where that came that's from. Right, that's fine. Ma. Hey, Ma. But he, yes. I, I like answer the phone. He FaceTimes me. He goes, Ma. And I said, Yeah. And I, you know, I was in the middle of work or whatever, but it was fine. Mm-hmm. Anytime I hear from him, it makes my day. So mm-hmm. anyway, he's like, so um, I was on this golf outing and he said a couple guys, he was in a business fraternity, mm-hmm. which are great to be in. He was in two of them. Awesome. Yeah. They are great to be in. Man, do they help you with stuff. Yep. Um, but anyway, so, you know, he's, he's still helping out with that and you know, got friends or whatever, but he's like, so I was golfing and two of the, two of the guys from my business fraternity came over and said, Hey, how would you like to, he said, they said the gym's open. How would you like to go shoot some hoops? And he has not picked up a ball since he was done. And uh, he's like, sure. In fact, he kind of had, I don't know, but anyway, he caught, so when he makes his phone call, he's like, so um, after I got done golfing, we, we went and we worked out for an hour. I said, oh boy, that was short for you. His is usually like two, two hours. Right, right. I said, that was short for you. And he goes, yeah, because they said, let's go play some basketball. And, uh, you know, usually the gym's not open or whatever. So he said, we, we had, we actually got two teams of five. Mm. And uh, he said, I started playing and it just all came back and I didn't want to quit. And they ended up playing three hours straight. Yeah. And okay. But he didn't have basketball shoes on. <laughs> that was his big deal. He's like, I am, my feet hurt so bad right now. Oh yeah. That's. And I'm like, couldn't have you went back? He goes, my, 
I didn't even like the tennis shoes that I had in college. I outgrew them and threw them away. I, you know, there was no reason to buy basketball shoes anymore. Mm. So, I mean, he had tennis shoes, but they weren't, you know, it's not the same at all. Yeah. Anyway, today he, <laughs> so today he FaceTimes me right before we got on and he goes here, I wanted you to see my feet, huge blisters and all over his toes mm. and the bottom of his uh, foot yeah. And also, also bruising on the toenails. Mm. Yep, that'll happen. I'm like, I think you better buy some just in case. <laughs> right. So I was kind of happy he missed it, though, because I thought, how, how can that just go away when you have such a love for it? Mm. So I'm glad to hear you say that it, you do miss it. Mm. I definitely do sometimes. Most of the time I'm, I'm content, you know, but there's definitely times when I think back, I'm like, man, I wish I could, you know, play a little bit, but yeah. Maybe you could start a team from work. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about, you know, I've, I've definitely, I play in my free time, you know, pretty, pretty regularly. Yeah. Try to find like with other guys or do you just go out and start? No, I'll try to, I try to find like pickup games and stuff at local courts and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Um, I would like to get into like a more formalized league and actually like host a team, you know, with coworkers and friends and stuff, but that'd be um, a blast. Yeah, it would. That's something to look into. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So then let's go back. So you're in college. Mm -hmm. What happened? So my junior year of college, I was at Florida state. And rolling along, obviously, I've been in college already for over two years. So, um, and one day I was just in my apartment, laying in bed, watching TV, whatever. And I stood up and I almost like felt like I whited out, you know, like I just, my vision went totally white. Um, and I felt instantly my vision came back pretty quickly and I but I felt like I was gonna like pass out or faint um I had no clue what was going on but I figured were you with roommates or by yourself I had I had some one roommate was home I had a few but only one of them was home at the time um because it was during the day and but I felt like you know what it must be because I haven't eaten anything I think it was like two or three o'clock in the afternoon um and I hadn't eaten anything that day which could make sense yeah it must be um you know I gotta eat something but it felt like very intense like I was like is that really the problem I'm not sure but so I try to eat something I can't even like stomach any food and so I I went over to my roommate who was legitimately lived right across the hall from me and I told him I was like he's just playing xbox I'm like listen I need to leave these doors open um, I don't know what is going on right now. I don't know if I'm having a stroke or a heart attack. Like this is super intense. Um, I don't know what the problem is. I just want to like sit here for a while. Like, is that okay? Can I just sit here and just kind of keep tabs and make sure nothing's su- super, super wrong. Um, and he's, he's still, his name's Cody. He's one of my best friends to this day. Actually, he lives down here in Bradenton. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of hung out for a while and went and ended up trying to get some food. I still was feeling very, very off. 
and I come back again, couldn't eat, couldn't stomach any food. And I'm just sitting there on the couch. My heart is just racing. I'm just thinking, what is going on? Like I, I had never felt anything like that. I didn't understand, you know, what the issue was. That's so, a horrible feeling. Yeah. So did, I did you kind of feel like you were in, you weren't part of the world, like you're outside of that? Yeah. It, it was very strange. It's that's, a strange that's how feeling. I would describe it. Yeah. Combined with what I now know is very intense anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I had no clue, you know, sure. I was never exposed to that kind of thing. So I ended up just, I tried to just tough it out. I sat there on the couch for like six hours, just trying to eat it. <laughs> it didn't feel good. And so eventually I drove myself to the hospital because I was convinced like you must've had a stroke, like something sure. went seriously wrong. So I drive to the emergency room, um, check me in. They're like, yeah, I mean, you're a little dehydrated, but all your vitals are fine. Like, there's no issues here. You didn't have any, like, serious medical episode. Was that dehydration just from that, from you not feeling good, and you, so you weren't drinking? Or, because you, you, surely you drink a lot of water. Yeah, I definitely did. I, I think it was partially that. Yeah, I just hadn't, I hadn't eaten anything that day, and, um, and I didn't, you know, yeah, I basically had nothing to eat or drink all day, so I think that was a big part because of I've I've talked to a lot of people that ended up having uh, panic attacks that mm-hmm. always showed up that they were dehydrated, but they were the, all of them were people that drank water all the time, yeah. Except for when they were having this go mm-hmm. on, and then mm-hmm. like you didn't feel like eating or drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how that. fast you can start getting dehydrated. Mm, it is. It's very. It's definitely quick. So go ahead. Um, so anyway, I check out of the hospital. I'm feeling physically better, but I still feel very out of it, and I don't really know what's going on still. So I go back home. This was on a, I believe, on a Saturday, if I remember correctly. So I went home, had a day to, to just relax and try to figure out what was going on. I go to class on Monday. Um, again, still feeling this very weird feeling that I didn't understand at all. But at least I wasn't, you know, um, my heart wasn't racing and, you know, beating out of my chest. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I could I could go to class. So I did. Mm-hmm. My first lecture, it's a big lecture hall. It was probably 300 students. And I go and sit down and I'm in the class for probably four minutes. And the same thing happens to me again. My heart starts racing again. I feel like it's like I'm heating up, like I'm legitimately sitting there and I'm almost breaking a sweat. That's um, what I was going to ask you. Did you get really, really hot? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a very, that was a common theme for me early on. And so I'm like, oh man, I, like I need water. I'm going to pass out or something. And I end up stepping out of the classroom and I go and kind of sit outside just in like a private area and I kind of like calm down a little bit and that's when I realized I was like this doesn't seem like just a totally physical issue like this has to be something at least partially mental like I I don't know what's going on but I know that there's some correlation here you know so that was kind of the first sign when I realized like you're really smart (laughs) thank you a lot of people wouldn't think of that seriously Yeah. yeah And I debated, 
on going back to the hospital, that was my first reaction. I'm like, no, I'm, this is a psychological thing. Like just get your mind under control, try to relax. And but ha- have you been uh, the type of personality that you get anxious over things? Never. I never, never. had okay. Okay. issues with it. Like I said before, like my mom is usually the one that's more um, high energy. I'm always very relaxed. Um, yeah, I, I never tend to get worked up over anything, really. Um, so this was totally new experience for me. Okay. And <clears throat> so I went home. I didn't even try to go to another class because I knew uh, the same thing was going to happen again. <sighs> Called my mom up. I said, Mom, I don't know what's going on, but um, I like I can't go to class. And I basically explained to her the situation. So she flew to Florida basically right away within like two days. Um, I was still having this kind of weird feeling, but I was able to, to relax enough. <clears throat> she stayed in town for probably two weeks. I was going to say about two weeks. Yeah. yeah, so I, I went to see a psychiatrist on campus, which becomes a very important detail later in the story. But um, I go to a psychiatrist and talk through the issue. And, you know, this is an FSU staffer, right? So they, they explained that, I, I believe, in her opinion, it was a psychological thing and referred me to another specialist, saw them as well. And I ended up getting diagnosed with... Um, derealization disorder, which is like a form of what a lot of people know as DID um, or disassociative mm-hmm. disorder mm-hmm. Um, and PTSD. So I. So is the, were they thinking the PTSD was coming from the incident with Tyler? That was what was speculated. I mean, it's always hard to, to really say where it comes from. And when I, I actually asked that question, I was like, do you think this is something that is popping back up because of like previous trauma like where's this coming from i've never experienced this and they said that it was probably a combination of um just genetics like i was probably predisposed to some level of um anxiety and depression um just through my my genes and then yeah, also then my call it like an anxiety disorder not ptsd mm. yeah and i think the way they you know what i'm saying yeah, I think the way they explained it is like the derealization is like a product of anxiety. Um, that part, yes, <clears throat> not the PTSD though. Yeah, that part I think is specifically obviously related to to the issue itself. Right. And so they explained that it was probably a combination of those two things. Uh, both of them. Okay. Right. So, and it was kind of like, you know, the it was down there inside of you. It was just like something unlocked it kind of deal. Um, the anxiety, I mean, and so from then on until now, I've had derealization disorder. I still feel every day like I am just in a dream, kind of just floating along. Um, okay, but, so you got, but you do you still do you still talk to a therapist? No, I don't. I did for a long time. Um, and went through a lot of different exercises to try to um, figure this out. And actually, coincidentally, when this happened was right at the beginning of COVID hitting the United States. So 
this was like February, March of 2020 when it happened. And so I went home. I was going to say, if I remember right, you, you Mm -hmm. went home. Yeah. Yeah. So I went home for, for basically the rest of that semester and the summer. And do you Um, feel like that helped you at all? Oh, it was massive. I mean, it was hard at that time because I felt at times I was almost like bedridden with anxiety. Like it was not easy, but I had to go through certain steps. Like I, I tried different medications um, talked to a couple of different therapists and tried some different things. And I finally was able to get to a point thanks to Lexapro. It's a big help. Um, is that what you're, is that what you're taking or did yeah, yeah. Lexapro? Mm-hmm. I take Lexapro every day. Mm-hmm. I tried, actually, I tried a few different medications um, and nothing was working. Stuff up. Yeah. Nothing was working for me at the time. Um, and you know, it's frustrating because a lot of these medications can take a month or two months to even take effect, you know, every day. So I had to go through this process of, okay, try one for 30 days. How's it going? You know, are you feeling anything? No. All right, here's another one. And finally I asked my mom, um, because my mom obviously has had some, some issues with, with depression, anxiety herself. So I asked her like, what do you take? And her first thing was Lexapro. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll at least mention that to my psychiatrist. I did. He's like, okay, let's give it a shot. Um, within 30 days, I was able to function like perfectly fine. Um, I still have the derealization that's present, but obviously I was able to, after that, go back to school, graduate. Now I have a full-time job. Like I have a fully functioning life on Lexapro. It, it basically takes the, the anxiety portion away from it. And now it's just the derealization that I kind of deal with on a daily basis, if that makes sense. Um, it does. I'm just surprised that even if it wasn't by zoom, that they wouldn't want you to continue to, because that, that you can get mm-hmm. through eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, so I'm just looking up Lexapro. Did you have any side effects to it? I fortunately did not. Um, I know it's there are a lot of different side effects that could be associated with they're, it. But they're not bad though. Yeah, I nothing mean, crazy like headaches yeah. and stuff like that. Headaches, um, dry mouth. But you know, it's funny how there's there's some medications they give out for what you're going through that actually some of the side effects are what you're going through. <laughs> yeah, like like it says, feeling you know it can make you feel nervous. Yeah. restless <laughs> you know and you're already feeling that mm-hmm. but um it's fun so, i mean lexapro is kind of the way i understand it is it's kind of like a catch-all for for depression depression anxiety issues um it's just a matter of kind of like going through these different combinations of medications and seeing like what hits for you you know um and that was lexapro just happened to be um, what helped me so here we are okay um, there is some mental side effects to it. Mm. Have you read those? Uh, I'm sure I did at one point, but okay. It's been a while. Okay. And we don't need to bring, you know, bring it up. It's, it's not a drug that is people are trying to find as a street drug or anything. Is it? Right. No, yeah. no, absolutely not. Yeah. So. Lexapro is very safe. Thank you. 
And, and is it, so is it like, if you have to take it the rest of your life, is that okay? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'd rather <laughs> I mean, I take it the rest, of my, the rest of my life too. And it, you yeah, know, mine yeah. came from my thyroid, um, mm -hmm. my panic attacks. Yeah. Um, no, but this was, you know, it's really frustrating. I, so I know what you, you were going through because I was not, I'm, I'm a very high energy person. I, I do a lot. I'm always active and I, I work out and I'm always doing something. I've got a very positive personality. Mm. Um, and I got my degree in psychology. Mm. Um, that doesn't make me a specialist or anything, but I studied the mind. Okay. Right. <laughs> a lot. Um, so when, mine started I just I was tired all the time and I was never that kind of person you know I was high energy and so right away I'm like okay I need to go to the doctor and find out what the heck's wrong with me so it just started out being extremely tired and the very first thing my doctor said to me was oh that sounds like depression okay well Personally, I'm just talking about me. I know my personality and mm -hmm. I certainly would not want to be depressed. So if I felt depressed, I would say I'm depressed. Right. You know, let's find out why, <laughs> you know, I want to get over it, but I wasn't depressed and I knew I wasn't depressed. And, but that's what he kept saying was that signs of depression. Okay. Well, that might be signs of depression, but I'm telling you, I know, I know who I am and mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be depressed. So I would say I'm depressed if I was depressed and he's like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but he didn't do blood work or anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it continued to get worse and I would sleep like 10 hours, then 12 hours mm -hmm. and I, my body. And I'm sure you know this because you've worked out all your life, you know, with being in sports mm -hmm. and stuff but you lose your muscle mass quicker than you gain it. Yeah. And yeah. So being in bed a lot, because I, I just mentally could not get out of bed. You right. know? Well, then I couldn't physically get out of bed. Like mm -hmm. I, I tried to get out of bed and stand up and my legs were weak. And I was like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Um, my best friend is a nurse. Um, and at the time she was single so she said, you know what? I think I'm going to come over and just stay with you. Um, obviously, she couldn't stay with me during her working hours, but, you know, overnight. And she was making sure before she left for work in the morning that she got me in the bathroom, got me showered. I ate. This is ridiculous. Like, this is like I've got some horrible disease and I'm dying. We don't know what it's from, but I've got this home health care. And no, but nobody's doing anything about it, right? you know? Um, so she's making sure that I'm fed and takes me to the bathroom. And then she came home at lunch and she would make sure I had lunch, you know? So I was getting fed and taken to the restroom. And it was kind of embarrassing to have to have somebody hold me up in a shower, but I absolutely had no energy. I went to six doctors and every one of them wanted to put me on an antidepressant. And the last one I said to him, if you guys don't do something, I'm going to start getting depressed. Who wants to live this way? You know, 
I said, this is not me. And I didn't feel like watching TV. I, I, I mean, I just slept. But then I started having horrible, horrible nightmares. Horrible. Things that I wouldn't tell them because I thought they'd put me in a sane asylum. Um, luckily, now I was praying every single day, Lord, please send somebody to find what's going on with me. Um, I had my yearly gynecologist appointment. And so my, you know, you know, my friend that's a nurse, she took me, I couldn't drive anymore. I, I couldn't even walk out to the kitchen to get a drink of water. Um, but so, so she took me and the, as soon as my gynecologist saw me, you know, those are just yearly visits. And she's like, what happened to you? And I said, what? And she said, you, I, you look like death. I, you know, I had circles under my eyes. I had lost weight. Yeah. I was weak. Um, and I said, I just started crying. I said, I wish I knew. Like I've been to five different doctors and nobody, nobody, all they want to say is I'm depressed. And she said, you're not even that kind of person. She knew, mm-hmm. you know, my gynecologist knew that's not my personality. And she also knew that if I was, I would say I was, I wouldn't, you know, deny it. And uh, so anyway, she said, has anybody asked, you know, checked into your thyroid? And I, I didn't know what a thyroid was. Like, do you know what a thyroid does? I do not. You know, I went through college. I, I never heard the word thyroid. Nope. Um, so I was like, what's a thyroid? And she said, it actually controls every single organ in your body, your heart, your brain, your lungs everything like really why have I never heard of this so anyway long story short she said I I can simply do a blood test and know if it's off or not um so I'm just going to give you a little bit of medical thing here so you're a normal thyroid when they do when they do the blood work the numbers should be between one and five So a negative number would make a hyperthyroid and a positive number would make a hypothyroid. Mine came out 365 plus. Now imagine that normal range is one through five. Yeah. She said, she looked at me and she said, I've called a specialist. They're going to, he's going to meet you at the hospital. You shouldn't even be alive right now. Um, they took me to the hospital. I was actually happy that there was something found. I didn't know anything about it yet, but at least I knew there was something causing it that like every, you know, nobody would do anything. She did. Um, and so an endocrinologist is who I had to see. And that's anyway, he like went down all the symptoms of hypothyroid and I had every single one of them. Yeah. And, and and I smiled <clears throat> and he's like, you're happy. And I said, heck yes. I'm happy that there's a reason that I'm, I'm having this. Mm-hmm. And I had, so my panic attacks had started during that time too. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of thought that was because of how I was scared of what I, the other stuff I was going through. Um, but panic attacks are actually part of the thyroid disorder. Mm-hmm. So I was put on alprazolam 
Um, but the first thing he had to do was get my thyroid under control. So I have a nodule. You probably can hear my voice. I've got a deep voice. I've got a nodule. So your thyroid is right in here, right by a male's Adam's apple. Um, I've got a nodule sitting on it and it's about two centimeters. And he did test it. It was non-cancerous. So he said, there's no reason to take it out. If I took it out, you'd go into hyperthyroid, but either way you'd be on the same type of medication for it. So instead of putting a scar in your neck, unless this nodule grows, we're good. So he, it took him about a year to bring my level to where it was supposed to be. And then he said, you know, you don't need to pay for two specialists because your gynecologist knows all about the thyroid. She's the one that found it. Obviously she saved your life. Um, you can just on your yearly thing, have her measure it and check your levels and you should be good to go. But it took about a year, but he did say that I would have to be on the two medications the rest of my life. And I didn't really like, like the Xanax is one of them, the Alprazolam. It's, it's one pill a day, 25 milligrams, but it's been 20 years now. Yeah. Um, you know, so like they couldn't just take it away from me. Mm-hmm. There's bad side effects of doing that. You have to be weaned. And I don't know what you'd wean from a quarter of a milligram, but I still would have to be. But he said, why would you worry about that? It's such a small amount and it's, you, know, you don't overtake it or anything. You take it once a day and it helps, helps that stay away. So, um, but I worried about that a lot. I, I didn't want to be on any medication. Yeah. That, that was a problem for me. And once I saw, like, I started feeling better. I was like, okay, this is better than the other. That's exactly where my mind was. It was, yeah. I, I was so tired of feeling the feeling that right. it wasn't even a question. I hate taking pills, medication. I've been like that my whole life. I will not take until I feel like physically ill to the point right. that I know there's an issue. Right. But for this, like, it's I making so, you feel better. So why not? Yeah, but that, I, I agree. And I still no don't like take anything if I don't have to. I don't take Tylenol for headaches. So, you know, I'll go get ice packs yeah, if so I have I, one. Or, yeah. So, you know, I'm not ashamed that I have to take something that is actually helping me live a normal life. If you want to, if there is one, yeah. you know. So, um, but what happened, and I wondered if this happened to you, was um, those panic attacks, when they happened, it seemed to be like I was in, it was when they, I was taken to like a doctor's office or something, and there was a bunch of people in the room. And mm-hmm. so mentally, that's what I would remember. And mm-hmm. so it became a mental thing, even though he gave me the medication, I still like, I don't want to go. Like, I didn't want to go to church anymore. There's too many people. I said, I can pray at home. I don't, I, you know, I made excuses. I, I tried to go to grocery stores and I'd have to get right out. There's too many people, too much noise, everything. I'd start panicking. Yeah. So I have to get out. Well, then I couldn't drive. Like I was afraid to drive mm-hmm. because I had, you know, the hot flashes. I felt like I was going to faint, all the, all the things. Um, so... I was like, okay, now there's something wrong with me mentally. Mm. And 
I I just like read up on it. And my I my brother that passed away from the brain cancer, he was two years younger than me. Um, and he was actually going through college at the time. Mm. He was in his last year and I was already out. And I, I said, do you think that you could like, just go with me to a couple of these places? You don't have to go inside, like, but just be out there in the car. So if I have to leave, I know that I'm safe and somebody can take me somewhere. And, and he was like more than happy to help me with that. In fact, he, he came and stayed with me for like six months. And we did that practice thing where each time I would stay a little bit longer until finally I was able to do it, go back to normal. Yeah. So that was, it did become a mental thing, but Mm -hmm. that was because of the conditions that I had. Mm -hmm. One time I did pass out and I woke up and there was all kinds of people around me and they were staring at me and they had called an ambulance and, you know, I get to the hospital and there's nothing. They say that your heart's fine. Everything's fine. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why can't we figure this out? Yeah. So, but you didn't go that far. You didn't ever pass out, did you? Never passed out, um, but I did face some of those kind of same challenges. Like, for example, um, when I was, when it first happened, um, one of my first times going into like a more public setting after, you know, the first initial issue and then trying to go to class and stuff like that. My mom was in town and we're trying to figure all this stuff out with the school. I eventually had to take a medical withdrawal um, and but we had gone to see a counselor because we're trying to figure out like, what are the options? Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting in a very, um, a very small hallway, right? Like very tight. There's these benches that take up like already 30% of the width in this hallway. And we're all, all these students are just crammed in here in a line and it's hot and there's no AC. There's like 10 people lined up on my left, 10 on my right, just all cramped into a small space. And I just, like started my heart started racing again I could feel it coming back on and I was like mom you gotta come in here sit here give me like 10 minutes and so I just I had to walk out and kind of step outside and um, collect myself and she called me and said hey you know the the counselor's ready to see you so I stepped back in and it was okay but that experience and then I also had issues um like we had a long car ride obviously back from Tallahassee where I was in school to Richmond Virginia where she was living at the time yeah didn't Um, you have to stop and stay the night in a hotel or something yeah Yeah. we did so that's like a 14-hour drive yeah Um, and we were gonna we were planning on trying to do it in one day but I was very very like shaky and on edge at that point like my anxiety was just not under control yet so it it got to a point where I told her, I was like, I we have to pull over. Like, I have to get out of the car. I can't sit in the car anymore. So we ended up stopping, staying in a hotel for one night, and then got back on the road the next day, and it was fine. But it's just, it's kind of like moments like that where I knew that I just had to remove myself from the situation and kind of collect myself a little bit, um, especially early on. And then once I got, you know, on the Lexa Pro and got used to that. I I never had any any more issues on that end. Just the the derealization is kind of what I've had since then. But I think that that Lexapro also helps with anxiety too. Yeah, it does. 
And that's what, I think that's part of the reason why I don't experience that anymore. Right. Um, right. It kind of took that, that heightened anxiety portion away from the issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I kind of, I just face that one aspect instead of two. If that makes sense. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there, Sky, that um, are going through these things and mm-hmm. don't want to take medication, mm-hmm. which some of them, I mean, I don't blame them. So, like some of them have addiction and so they're yeah. afraid of, you know, and I know there's a lot of medications out there that aren't addicting that you can take for things like this. Um, or they say there isn't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have to quit listening to some podcasts <laughs> because they have these doctors on and they'll say you're being lied to, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's pharmaceutical companies that actually know these are addictive right? and they say they're not right. So then I like read everything. If like, if my son has to take mm-hmm. anything or my daughter, I'm like, let yeah. me read everything. Let me pull everything <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I don't care though. I'm going to call that a little OCD or maybe even careful or maybe just being a mom. I don't know, but I don't get like panicky over it. I'm just like, it, you know, you just don't ever know. So you need to read between the lines and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So what would you, you've been through so much. <laughs> what, what would you say over the last Let's just go 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's been your biggest life struggle. I, I think it, I think it has to be, you know, Tyler's passion because that just kind of was a domino effect, you know, in my life. And um, there were other issues that, that related to that obviously we haven't really touched on my my grandmother's recent passing but that was and, obviously and I really wanted to I really wanted to and I don't have a time frame I mean some of my mm-hmm. podcasts last two hours sometimes yeah. three people people don't care they listen to it when they're driving you right. know that's when I listen to all all the ones I listen to so you're you've got time to tell me um because I think those are things that people need to take something from you know like there's so many people that feel alone like Mm. i'm the only one that's gone through this or going through this right that's my whole purpose yeah yeah i think that was probably the biggest challenge for me um not because it like meant more anything like that it was just what i witnessed in that time um, was unlike still have those images so that's still that's why I wondered if you were continuing. You don't feel like you need to. You mean with therapy? therapy? Yeah. To get rid of that. Um, I think it would be good for me to, to do it. It's just time. I've done, I've done therapy for years in my life. And um, I think it's important. It's just, I never felt that I got what I wanted to get out of it. Um which I'm impatient, you know, that's a personal issue. That's, it's not like they were doing anything wrong. It's just, I, I had my own frustrations with it, but I think it's, it's good for a lot of people. Um, and it's probably something I should be doing like right now. I want to interrupt you with something with that though. Um, you're very kind in putting the blame back on yourself, but 
there's, I think that if you actually found the mm. right person, mm. that that story would change. Mm. That could be true. There's there's a lot of people that will stop after the first time because they're like, well, this isn't doing anything for me. Mm. You know, well, that's because that person wasn't right for you. It doesn't mean that they're bad, you know, bad at their job, but you have to really click with the person that you're going to open everything up to, you know, and feel comfortable to do that. And so I try to encourage people to keep looking. Yeah. You know, um, because stopping, and, and you know what, it sounds like, why don't you go ahead and tell me what things are you doing for yourself? Cause that can probably help people too. Mm. I mean, for me, it's always, my biggest solution was to just always focus on the things Something that really, else. yeah, stuff that really does matter to me, you know, to try to take away from all the other stuff that's kind of pulling on my attention. You know, it was whether it was building relationships with my family and my friends when I was in high school or, you know, focusing on academics, focusing on sports, like whatever it is kind of in that moment that, that you love and that you're passionate about. And now it's like, I, you know, I have a full-time job and I love my job. So I, I focus on that very heavily. Um, well, see, those things are all good things to focus on. The problem mm-hmm. is that that thing down inside. Yeah. It's still sitting there. That's yeah, why <laughs> That's why we have to continue until we get that out. I can't even tell you how many people I talk to that, well, you know what? I'm just going to bring my husband up. Mm-hmm. He, so we lost his mom a year ago. Mm-hmm. And he just does not like hospitals, period. He's never, he doesn't like death. And I, my, my, my answer to that is like, who the heck does like, really who likes to see anybody sick in the hospital who likes to, you know, go to funerals, who likes to watch somebody die. We don't, I've watched my mom pass away. My dad pass away. My brother pass away and another brother pass away. And I've sat there with him through the whole thing. I hate it, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't change it for the world of me being there with them at the time. You know what I'm saying? But he won't even go in the room. He won't acknowledge it. Um, he, his mom passed away while he went down and got something to eat. I'm not saying bad things about him. What I'm, what I'm getting at is it's now been a year and he hasn't spoke her name. He hasn't, you know, and so the year's time was coming up. Well, I'm the kind of person that celebrates somebody going to heaven, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's a celebration of life and their mm-hmm. life. And, um, you know, going go, to me, going to heaven is just this beautiful thing. Like we're out of all of our physical pain, our emotional pain, a better yeah. place. And, you know, so I try to look at that as a positive thing. Um, I'm also one that would, that honors people. So, you know, like my mom's grave, my brother's, whatever I, you know, would take flowers and I would just sit quiet time and, and mm-hmm. even though I can do that anywhere in my house, if I feel like I need to talk to my mom, that's who I miss the most. Um, I I can do that anywhere. But for some reason, if it's her birthday or Mother's Day or whatever, if I'm sitting right there at the great, I feel closer, even though I know there's no there's nobody there. You know, mm-hmm. that's just me. And I don't put down anybody that doesn't. 
Okay, but he has not spoke his spoke her name, acknowledged anything. You know, my son was like that was his 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 grandma that he was so close to, like you're close to your grandma. He misses her, you know. But we talk about her. We we talk mm-hmm. about the good stuff. Yeah. You know, and yeah, we miss her. We miss the heck out of her. Um, but she left positive things in our life, and mm-hmm. we acknowledge that. He's not acknowledging that. What he's done is he's involved himself in so much work. He's he's putting in like 12 to 16 hours a day on purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he comes home and he just goes to bed. Yeah. Okay. Um, what we've been seeing is every day he's angrier and angrier. He doesn't mm-hmm. even realize it. All of a sudden he snaps at us for no reason. Mm-hmm. I found I talked to a couple of his employees and they're like, he, he snaps at us all the time. Like he never did that before. And I'm like, it's because he's not grieving. Mm-hmm. He needs to grieve. He needs to accept that mom's gone. Mom's not coming back. And it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to cry. It's, you know, all those things. So everybody's like, well, he's not doing that. I'm like, I know. So I finally went to him just, just a couple of weeks ago. And I had to be very careful. You know, because he just, he's shutting everybody out and he's keeping himself busy. And if he's busy, he doesn't have to think about it. Okay. But he doesn't realize what's happening inside here. And he's hurting people around him. So I sat down and I said, hey, is there any way, I just kind of feel like talking about mom. Uh, There's really nothing to talk about. I said, well. I want to talk about her. There's just, you know, some things have been coming up and like old, old Facebook stuff that, you know, she was talking at one of the birthday things and she started singing and she doesn't sing. And she was a horrible singer and she'd say, I'm a horrible singer, but you're going to get it anyway. You know, and those would pop up and it was so nice to hear her voice. And I was, you know, so I said, I, I need to talk about her. And he said, well, I don't want to. Okay, well, I said, so I, I think there's a problem with that. You need to. And he said, there's not a problem. Well, yeah, there is. And so I said, I just started telling him, there's employees that notice that you're angry. You snap at them out of nowhere. We notice it. We say something to you and you're in denial. You say, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's always, I'm fine. But if you're fine, you would be able to acknowledge what's going on so you're not fine and what's going to end up happening is your your body's going to start taking effect okay so your body's going to start breaking down once your mind's doing that then your body does well this is amazing i really really prayed about it but the anniversary of her death was august 12th and that morning she woke him up at four o'clock in the morning and spoke to him. Now, it was obviously in a dream, but he didn't feel like it was. Um, and I believe that that was probably God guiding her to go let him know that she was okay. Um, that that was probably one of the things that, you know, he was really worried about and, you know, didn't want to talk about. And he actually acknowledged her death and was 
really happy that he got to hear her voice. Mm -hmm. And so now slowly, slowly, and as is slow, he'll say something, but very slowly. So um, I encourage people to, the, all those things we need to do too, obviously, because we don't want to be just sitting back doing nothing. Those right. are good things. But we also have to do that other that's so hard to face. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So if you can find time in the future to maybe, you know, there's, there's a, I think it's called Better Me. That's an mm -hmm. online therapy that they will keep and it's 24 seven. So if you're having something in the middle of the night, you can call and they will find you somebody to talk to. Um, and, you know, if you don't get along with them, then you just go on to the next one. They they keep finding until right. there's matches you. So if you ever decide to go back into that, that might be something that you might want to check into. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like you're, you know, well, first of all, you've got a mom that loves you dearly, which you're so lucky to have. Yes. And, and you're very smart yourself. <laughs> well, you know, you are, and it's not just book smart, mm -hmm. your life smart. And mm -hmm. that that's to me, that's like way better than book smart. Even, I mean, I'm book smart, but yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of life that I've lived. Mm -hmm. that, I'm glad I've lived that, yeah. you know, I know more than other people do. And it's because of that. Um, let's touch a little bit then back to grandma. Hmm. And, yeah, you know, so, grandpa too. Yeah. That's, that's been its own. That's got to be really hard. Yeah. That one, that one actually in particular is really difficult for me because he was kind of, the male figure that I looked up to growing up. Right. Um, I wanted to be kind of everything that he embodied. Um, and so it was kind of everything happened all in such a short all time. in such a short time. Yeah. So, I mean, he, my grandfather has been declining for years now. I mean, we've known about it. Um, just because of his behavior, you know, has, has changed slightly probably over the last, you know, five years. Um, but it didn't get bad till your grandma, right before she was diagnosed. So, right? Yeah. So he always had like, it was little stuff. Like he would go into a restaurant and he couldn't order. Um, like he, he literally cannot open a menu, sit down and, and pick out what he wants to eat. You have to kind of guide him through that and help him. Um, which again, that's fine. No big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a it was a lot of small like cognitive stuff like that, and it never became um, like a hindrance until the last maybe few years, like two to three years. Um, and he would just he started to kind of like lash out a little bit. Um, I think he was he's frustrated, you know, because he was super super smart, like very witty, super sharp guy. Um, and he was a lawyer, like he was extremely accomplished. He had all these things going for him. And now he's having, he's had to face, you know, knowing that he's losing cognitive ability. Like that's been a real challenge for him. Is, um, does he understand what's going on? 
I think he deep down he does. Um, and he's still, I mean, he's very much there. Like when you speak to him, um, I mean, he's diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, but the part of his brain that he's having issues with is the frontal lobe, which is, um, it's like cognitive decision-making. So in critical thinking, um, so that's why he struggles with like making decisions, um, choosing between one thing or another, um, cause and effect kind of situations, but it's socially like he's, you wouldn't even know, you would have no idea if, if he walked up to you and shook your hand, you could have a conversation with him for an hour. You'd have no clue. Um, does he understand that he lost his wife? Yes, he does. He, he does, does understand. Okay. Yeah. Um, How did he take that? Um, tough. I mean, he, he calls me quite a bit. Um, he's in a home now, um, which is, we tried our best to, to pick something that was a good fit. It's specifically this wing of this building is built for patients with his kind of cognitive issues. Right. Right. I've so, heard a lot of hospitals have done that now. Mm-hmm. Nursing homes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been good for him. Um, at least in my opinion. And, but he so calls they me probably questions. have a lot of activities and stuff to do. So he has absolutely. Yeah. And he's one of the, probably one of the higher functioning individuals in that wing. Yeah. So, because like I said, socially, he's like all there, um, at least for the most part, aside from, mm-hmm. you know, normal old people stuff. Sure. And How old is he? Um, he's in his 70s. 70s? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. probably mid 70s now. Um, and so they have activities like, you know, he'll help out with dinner and um, cleaning up and stuff. And he like feels like he's, you know, part of a community and he has an obligation to to work there, you know, which is good. It keeps him, yeah, it keeps him engaged and keeps him busy. And he feels like he's helping people who have these issues um, that are similar to his. So I think it's it's probably good for him um, where he is now. So let me ask you this, knowing mm-hmm. that knowing that he's as happy as he can be does that help you feel better about what he's going through it does um it's definitely hard because you know he calls and and he'll be very emotional at times and you know he'll he'll talk about how much he misses you know my grandmother and um and it's hard for him being there too i mean obviously he wants to be you know living at home and and all that stuff but it's it got to the point where, especially with my, my grandmother being diagnosed um, with cancer, that it was. Well, because she needed full-time care, yeah. Right. And we couldn't deal with both of those at the same time. It just wasn't feasible. Right. And that not like, that a horrible position to even be in to make that yeah, decision? It is. And I pushed hard to try to convince my mom to you know put him in some kind of care because I love my grandfather very much um and I do anything for him but it was at the point where it was just not feasible right so and isn't that around the same time that John was getting worse too yeah he's I mean I know that he's passed away but now but yeah yeah he is unfortunately from what I know he's passed recently so yeah but it, it was um yeah, he really went downhill the last five years as well. Um, 
So that's what I'm saying. Oh. There was just so much. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. really extra proud of you guys, <laughs> both of you and, and, yeah. your, and your grandma. I mean, mm -hmm. that was, you know, she was a big help with your mom too mm -hmm. and, and with you. And so she had to watch her husband of years start to decline. Yep. And then, but she always remained positive, didn't she? She did. Even through the diagnosis and the treatments. And yeah, she definitely, uh, she had like kind of a warrior mentality. You know, she felt like she was going to go out and, and attack everything that she could on that day to to help herself be as healthy as possible. But at the same time, she was at peace. You know, she was um, a very strong religious woman. Um, well, she had her, she, yeah, she had, she had her Lord that. She did. That, yeah, she did. And yeah. so it was whatever, whatever he had in store for her, she was willing to accept. Yeah. Which so. That's, that's hard for a lot of people. That's not hard for me. I, I have that kind of faith and I would much rather see somebody maybe take that, that last part of their lives and enjoy everybody around them. You know what I'm saying? And yep. be happy about, even though you, you know, you would miss them or whatever, but that they're in a good place. I mean, I feel like that's the best way to look at it. I, I can remember yeah. mm -hmm. well, when I was talking about my husband saying that he doesn't accept things when he was very close to my mom and when she passed in the way that she passed and in so much pain and stuff, he, he, he came out. I was sitting out on the porch a couple nights after the funeral. And actually, I was just like looking into the sky and I was talking to God and talking to mom at the same time, you know, both. And... Uh, I wasn't crying or anything. I mean, I was in a good state of mind and he came out and he said, what are you doing? And I said, Oh, just talking to God and talking to mom and enjoying the fresh air and the peace and quiet. It was like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And it was, it was beautiful out. It was, it was like just 78 degrees and there was a light breeze. It was just really beautiful out. And he said, how are you not mad at God? And I said, for what? And he said, so this God of your allows pain, so much pain. And he said, and you just accept that? And I said, this is just my belief. I'm not, push I don't push beliefs on people, but I feel like there's, he has a purpose for everything. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know what the purpose was yet, but I will. He'll tell me someday. And he said, so what? He talks to you. He got real smart, Alecky. So what? He talks to you. Said, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not in words. You know, you don't always hear the words, but yeah. And it's not always something I like either, <laughs> you know, but I let him make the choices. Um, and I, and I try to listen to him as much as I can. And I said, right now, I don't, I feel like by, you know, mom was ready to go to heaven and she's in a good place. And that, why would I be mad at him for taking all that away from her? Mm -hmm. You know, and, but he didn't understand that starting to. So 
but you know so i kind of feel bad for people that don't have some kind of faith Mm. whatever that whatever that is for them whether it's a higher power or Mm. you know whatever it is that don't have anything somebody asked me one time um so what happens they they were non-believers and they said so so what happens if all these years you've lived this christian life and you believe in this god and you die and there is none and i said nothing yeah right but what happens if there is and i didn't Mm -hmm. that's what i'd be afraid of (laughs) yeah that's how i answer them that's how i answer them because i'm like i have nothing to lose Mm -hmm. yep so i might as well have some kind of belief and something that makes Mm -hmm. me feel better and I've not lost anything if it's really not true. Yeah. So today, how do you feel today? Today, um, I'm content. I'm happy with my life. Um, you know, obviously I've faced a lot of challenges like you you explained, you know, we went through it, but so um but I, I know, I mean, I still have ambitions. I still work, you know, my butt off every single day to, to work full time and still be able to go to school. And um, I live, you know, I support myself. And so I, I have nothing really to complain about. In fact, I'm extremely grateful um, to have the opportunity that I have. So, because um, I know obviously there, there are people that are in worse off situations than everything that I've even faced, you know, so. Which seems impossible, but we know that's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate, and I so I, I am grateful for sure, and I'm happy where I am. Okay, so the last the last thing that um, I'd like for you to explain to our listeners mm-hmm. is how how do you what advice would you give other people that have so much going on? how to conquer some of those fears, some of those, well, those struggles. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have your own way. And I think that Mm -hmm. sharing them could help, you know, somebody else could go, oh, well, I'm going to try that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you give some of those? Yeah, I I think, you know, everybody's, of course, experience is different. But for me, it it was always, you know, I need to take the time to focus and make sure that I process these things well, but never lose sight of my end goal, you know? Um, and my end goal was always to ultimately be successful and be able to help my mom live comfortably and um, not have her have to work another day in her life, you know, by the time I'm 30 and she's, you know, in her fifties, um, be able to provide her with, with a nice life. And that was always my goal. Um, well before anything else happened because she provided so much for me you know when I was a kid so I, I want to be that's able so to kind that. of you where, <laughs> do you, just... where where do you think I mean she's kind and grandma was kind mm-hmm. and grandpa was mm-hmm. kind do you think that's that's part of your raising that yeah absolutely or were that's... you just born with this beautiful kind heart no I I think it was um it was definitely a part of my upbringing um I just, I do want to do right by them. You know, they taught me, all three of them have taught me a bunch of, a lot of lessons. Um, 
and now one grandparent is gone and the other, you know, is, is having his issues. And so it's, I feel it's on me to kind of um, carry on that kind of legacy and mentality that they had um, and all the, the valuable information that they passed on to me. I hope that I can have my own kids, you know, and, and pass on those same lessons. So, um, so do you, in the future, do you see yourself having kids? I do. I do. I would like to have kids. Mm-hmm. Are you currently with somebody? No, I'm no. single at the moment. Um, and I, think Boy, it's I better put that out now. there. <laughs> you can put it out there. <laughs> I, I don't see myself settling down for, for quite a while just because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time focusing on work and, and continuing to build personal relationships with my friends and stuff. So I, I am single, um, but I'm happy, you know, enjoying it. You have female friends though, right? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you feel like just staying focused and concentrating on where you want to be and so on and so forth is, is a way to help conquer a lot of these things. That's what worked for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't, you know, it's not perfect. It's never been perfect, but that, that helped me get through, you know, a lot of the issues that I faced was just staying focused on the things that I loved and care about. That was probably my number one solution. Okay. What, what about, um, having at least one person yeah. That you you can share everything that you're going through without feeling judged or yeah. I mean I feel like if somebody's not and I don't think everybody has to go to therapy. I mean I do for me. Um even though I'm not going through anything at the present, once a month mm-hmm. I check in and mm-hmm. you know it's somebody that's unbiased and I kind of just go over just my daily life things that they don't give a crap about but they listen you know <laughs> like where i yeah. would probably bore somebody else um but or maybe some you know that i wouldn't share with somebody else just things i'm going through and i think some of that's helped me but that doesn't mean everybody has to do that i do I think, think i mean that's definitely a big uh thing though i, I mean if you have somebody that you either have shared that traumatic experience with or um even just someone that you're very close to that you can talk to about it that helps me a lot obviously in the time um after tyler passed when i was still in high school you know we we had all these mutual friends and teammates and um so we would talk and and it was you know good stuff like always just talking about the memories and and stuff that we enjoyed about him um but that helps you kind of. Right. Come to so that's what it. I was going to ask you. Is, is that something too, like that you would recommend to people that you don't go with inside yourself, that you try to oh, 100%. maintain friendships and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to say like become a hermit because I don't feel that way at all. Like you should definitely maintain your personal relationships and talk to people about the issues that you have. I mean, I did, you know, um, um and I probably didn't do it enough. Um, and so I, I think you can do both. You know, there's there's a balance that I that I try to strike. 
And then, um, do you still work out? I do. I've, I have found that a lot of people use working out as mm -hmm. their, and I think that's something that we should express too. I recently have been doing a lot of research on um, mental awareness because, you know, that's a big deal now. You know, I, I found out that just foods in general is things that are bad for your body can actually become a mental thing too. Like you, yeah. you have to take care of everything, not just, you know, your, your body and your mind are both together. So that's something I've um, been bringing up to people lately. And I'm not talking about yeah. being skinny or anything like that. I'm talking about being right. healthy. Right. Um, not, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um, Diet and exercise is crucial. I mean, it's there are so so many studies out there that show um, what kind of effect you know what you put into your body and how often you exercise, how that can affect your mental health. It's definitely, um, I mean, I can say from personal experience, it makes a difference. You know, um, yeah, and that's that's whatever. what I was going to ask you. Right? Yeah. Oh, I hundred percent support that. I mean, I'll, I'll walk out of the gym after a workout and I feel accomplished, and you have kind of these endorphins that are released and the endorphins. Yeah. It feels great. You know, it's, it's definitely, um, it helps relieve some stress. I would say. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you one last question and I, okay. I hope that you're okay with it and okay. you don't feel pressured, but do you cry? I haven't in a long time. I, I did a lot. I mean, of course, going through this stuff, um, and I did when I lost my grandmother, I cried at the funeral. Okay. Um, yeah, I, so you cry. I actually, what's that? So you cry. Yeah, I do. I, I don't, I don't hold back from it. You know, if I feel emotional Good. and I feel like I have to, to let it go, then I let it go. I just, but in the last, in the last year, I would say there hasn't been a ton of things to cry about. I would say it's been the last six months have been good. It's been, you know. I guess the reason why I'm saying that is because there's, first of all, you were probably brought up that it was okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there was, there was no stigma around that in my family. Yeah. Uh, and there is in so many families, like boys don't mm -hmm. cry. And that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. If I, I just want people to know how much, like sometimes I've got so much going on and I'm not talking about bad things just I'm busy mm -hmm. really really busy mm -hmm. um so you know tension starts mm -hmm. building up you know mm -hmm. so like my shoulders are up like this and you know whatever um I will find a either a book or a movie that will make me cry mm -hmm. Just to release just, emotion just to release yes because there's yeah. endorphins that come out of your tear mm -hmm. ducts that make you happy mm. and I don't think people realize that you know but so I yeah sometimes I have to do that just to relieve stress you know and it's not stress that I'm like causing my oh I suppose I do cause it myself if I'm working too much but mm. not intentionally you know like I don't I don't make situations stressful there's right. a lot of people that live off of 
drama and stress and all that. That's that's not what I'm talking about. You know, I don't do that, but I do have schedules and I'm, you know, planning on retiring in a couple of years. And so there's a lot of things that I want. I want to decide which one, because I'm not going to retire, retire. Like I could never not do anything. Right. That's just not me. Right. So, and I don't think your mom could either. Oh, you know, but you know, of course I want to, you know, I want to travel and I want to do that Mm -hmm. stuff, but I still, you know, I don't want to be laying around all the time, you know, travel and then lay around. You know, no, I, I, have to, to, I have to fight my mom to get her to not do too much stuff all the time. Like she's, she is the yes, yes, yes. If you ask her to do something, she just doesn't even think about it. Like, mom, you have to learn to like prioritize and make time for yourself and all this stuff. Like, so I'm always I trying know. to. I want to work with her. her with sleep. Mm. Oh, that's like, yeah, seriously, I, I, I just sent her a thing saying, you know what? We're going to have to, I mean, yeah, she has to be busy all the time, but we're going to have to meet up and have this quiet time thing where get each other on a, cause I don't sleep much mm-hmm. only I'm not as bad as she is, yes, she <laughs> not as bad, but, and I'm sure she doesn't even talk about it as much as it really happens, but I know she's sleep deprived, mm-hmm. um, there's times there's times in a week you know i i wear my fitbit watch that tells mm-hmm. me my exact sleep and really? i'm yes and it tells me like how how many times a night i wake up mm. how many times i roll over mm. when i'm in my rem which by the way that's like one of the most important yep. things that we need um and if you don't get enough hours in you're not going to get that rem in so that's going to cause mental issues and physical issues so there's a lot, um, but yeah, uh, I, I think we need to get together and take some sleeping exercises. So one of the things I learned was not to be like on the phone, playing games, have yep. the TV on, you like your last hour before you go to bed just needs to be quiet time, right. whatever right. you can do with that quiet time. And that has a lot to do with how you're going to sleep. And if you're going to sleep. 100%. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Is there any last things that you'd like to tell people out there that you think maybe could help them? Um, just would say, you know, keep pushing through. Don't be afraid to, to reach out to people and speak your mind. Um, I appreciate you having me and being a loyal friend to my mom for, for years now. So um, I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to, to speak. And I'm glad that I got to see you so because i feel more personal Mm -hmm. you know you know what i'm saying Um, that's that's one of the good things i feel like came out of the pandemic Mm. was um like in our family especially because everybody was so busy like we didn't even have time to sit down together and eat dinner together watch movie together we got to finally do that Mm. i try to find the positive stuff and everything um but i think people need people mm. you know what i'm saying yeah you really 100%. do I, and, and there's a lot of people so oh, i could do without anybody i mean just a dog's fine with me you know people aren't nice we can find good people yeah. to be around and i think that's important too is to make sure that we have the right kind of people in our life 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah 
So I am really blessed. I feel blessed to finally have talked to you and met yes. you and hopefully it'll be in person someday. Yes. And, uh, yeah. So this will probably be out next week and you can tell your friends about it if you want or not. Doesn't matter yeah. either awesome. way, but um, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I want you to know that this, there will be people out there that have been in some of your situations that will take something from it. Mm. And that's the whole purpose of life struggles. Mm. I hope so. I hope that uh, the positive message that we got out there. That's what it's for. Mm. All right. Well, you have a great weekend, the rest of it. All right. You too, Christy. Thank you. Okay. Have a good night. Uh-oh, it's that. And that's another wrap. You know, it just amazes me every time I have somebody new on. I just feel so blessed that I am able to do this and reach out to so many people with all of the life struggles. Please help us by supporting us by taking this episode and all the other episodes that you've listened to, rate us, share it as much as possible to any and everybody that you know of that it could in some way help because that's what Life Struggles Podcast is all about, helping others with their life struggles. See you next time.